<laughs> verse 41 um, through 57. So remember, let me, let me catch up real quick. Sorry, Amanda. Joseph felt selfish, perhaps. And we talked about in week one that we have to be selfish sometimes with our calling and not let the world stop us from taking a step because they think we should do otherwise. And we talked about when, you're, when your calling feels selfish and your situation feels selfish and because Joseph acted on that in week one, God, what did God do? God appointed him. He put him in an appointment on his Google calendar that says, show up to Pharaoh's door. You're gonna go from the dungeon to the office, the, the executive office of Pharaoh. And that was week two. And so God presented Joseph in a way to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And now Pharaoh said, I want to use you. He's like a Damon in the church. I want to use Damon in the church because Damon is pliable and willing to go wherever God takes him. Give it up for Damon. He's working right now. Can't even take kudos for his shout out because he's grinding away, making this sound great. Love you, Damon. Uh, so seriously, though, week three now is where we're at. Last week, we ended with Joseph being appointed and now just standing there like, I went from rags to riches. I went from broke down, no razor. They shaved me, it says. The scripture says he was shaven before he was taken before Pharaoh. I mean, what a change from the dark dungeon to the bright lights of Pharaoh's house. So this is where we left off. <clears throat> so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring. Signet means a signature sign of something, a symbolic thing, that this is not just for bling, this is for a symbol of something. So when I put a signet ring on your finger, people are gonna know this is touched by me. I think God is wanting to put some rings on our finger as the church. A signet ring, not just a, a decoder ring or whatever we got out of the Cracker Jack box. Remember those? They don't work anyway. I'm talking about a signet ring, something that signifies something like, like the, oh, geez, I did the wrong hand. Like this ring <laughs> signifies something. Love you, babe. I went to my right instead of my left. The ring never leaves my hand, never. And uh, my kid said, do you shower with that? I said, I do. It's because it's a J.C. Penney special, and uh, it's, it's all right to do that. Now, Michelle, I said, take your rings off if it's a delicate situation. She does so. It signifies something. It's not about how it looks. It's about what it si signifies as a signet ring of our, our vow and marriage to each other. So Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, his own finger, put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck and put him in, put him in an SUV with some 22s and rolling on doves with the gold chain. No, he didn't. They didn't have those, but they would have if they had it. Yes. Yes, they would. Ask Jesus about that one. He told me so. <laughs> oh, love you, Nate. Nate's back. So he dressed him in the fimes, fine robes of linen and he said, if you like it, then you got to put a ring on it. So he did. And then he put a gold chain, gold chain around his neck and he had him ride or die. No, it says ride in a chariot. That's a little, little urban slang for y'all. Sorry. I know. I know you're like, what does ride or die mean? Anyway, he had him in ride in the chariot as his second in command. Remember last week he said, you will answer to no one except me. Everyone will answer to you except me. And so now he's riding second in the chariot. 
That's like a Lambo back then. It's a big time. Balling in Egypt. But he says, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name, I'm going to butcher this, Zephinath Pania. It's not Spanish, but sorry. And gave him a Sinith daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, you know, On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old. Say 30, everyone. This matters. Jen, remember, it matters. 30 is significant in the scripture when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and he traveled throughout Egypt. Guess who else was 30 when they announced something special that God was doing? Can I get a Jesus? 30 was the sign of the high priest announcing his ministry. God does something spiritual at 30. Now, I don't mean you have to be 30 today, but 30 is significant in the scripture when the high priest would go into their, their ministry. And here we are, Joseph, at 30, being called inadvertently to Pharaoh's office. I don't think it's a coincidence. I'm just saying. During the seven years of abundance, remember um, last week, Pharaoh, his dream was interpreted by Joseph. And the dreams were basically that the first seven years would be abundance. And who remembers what the second seven years would be? No one remembers. What's the opposite of abundance? Famine? Yes, they would have nothing. So you better store it up now because you're going to be broke with nothing later. That's what he's saying to Egypt. And so during the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully, just like the scripture had, um, just like the dream had spoken. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored in the cities. In each city, he put food grown in the fields surrounding it. Nate, kind of like the farm, he's growing something. And Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain. Everybody say huge. Like the sand of the sea, it was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. That's a lot of grain. You ever heard a story about the fish and the bread and Jesus? You ever heard the thing about, you know, when you finally give to God, God just overflows? Here's another example of that. When I quit holding on to what I think is controlling my life, which is really nothing, because only God has control. So you can have all the money in the bank and you can die of cancer tomorrow. You know, it doesn't control nothing. You don't really have control. So really when you give control to Jesus, that's the only real protection you have. And so, so Joseph was special like that. Can I get an amen? He collected the food produced the seven years. He stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. Oh my Lord. There was so much that he just quit counting. He just said, it's, it's enough. That's all I need is enough. I don't know to need to know how much, as long as I know it's enough in the Lord. Before, verse 50, before the 50 years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph and Asenath, by Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. He's made me forget with son one and he's made me fruitful with son two. These are signet children. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. 
there was famine in all the land. This is a really rhyming passage here. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss for a minute. But in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. So the title of today is, I've got a new robe, got a new one. Remember the robe in the beginning? And then it got all bloody because the brothers tried to dip it in the thing and say he was slaughtered by the, by the bear or the, whatever, the wolf. And, and, then, and then here he is in new fine linens. I mean, the world tried to stop him with everything. And here it is. It's been replaced by even better, perhaps. Isn't it funny that the, robe, the first robe came from Jacob? The second robe came from Pharaoh. So maybe the first robe wasn't really the one God sent, but he said, it's a, it's, a, it's a prophetic vision of the one I'm going to send when you show up at Pharaoh's door. That's good. Can you imagine, though, going from prisoner to second in command all over Egypt? Great blessing requires greater responsibility. And in this situation, it could be a bit daunting because it was so rapid to climb the ranks of Pharaoh's government. I mean, really try to put yourself there for a minute. You were in the dungeon, didn't have a Bic razor. Now you are clean shaven, wearing a gold chain, sitting next to the man in, in charge of all of Egypt. And what's special here is he didn't just appoint Joseph for no reason, it's because he knew Joseph was capable to do what Pharaoh needed. He had to have someone that was responsible to know how to store up that thing for seven years because if Joseph would mess up, that would have wrecked Egypt for the second seven years. Remember he said, you gotta preserve this thing through the 14. You with me? So he had to elect the right person to do the job because if you got the wrong person in there, they would have wasted it like the prodigal son. Can I get an amen? So, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta step into it when God needs you, because if you think it's just for someone else, you may, you may let Egypt go by the wayside because that was for you to do. That's for you to do. And so what do we do as people? We say, can I handle this? Can I handle this? I don't know. But if God put it in your lap as an assignment, I would say that you're capable of handling this. Will it be daunting? I bet. And it's not like Joseph had time to adjust. No, Lonnie, could you imagine if we went from acoustic to this overnight with no preparation, no warning sign? We don't know how to, how to wire this stuff up. We don't know what the, the multi-track, like we don't know. That would be daunting, right? That would be painful and we would crack under the pressure. We, we gradually grew into these positions of understanding so that when we get to the assignment, we can handle it with proper care. But Joseph didn't have that. He was thrown into it overnight. Or was he? Well, we think he was, but maybe Joseph was preparing all the way back in the field before the capture of his brothers. He's been training for this. He's been waiting for this. Because when it felt dormant to the world, Joseph said, this is the rehearsal and I'm building this thing and it's going somewhere. And when the world finally gets a grip on this thing, it's going to blow up and they're going to say, how did it happen overnight? And you're going to say, it's been years of this. Y'all getting this? This is very applicable to right now. Very applicable. And the enemy loves to say, but can you handle it? Can you handle this change? Especially when it's abrupt. 
I don't know if you can handle it. They want to tell, he wants to tell you. But you can't. You know why? Because you're not qualified. You shouldn't be assigned that. That's not the way it was supposed to go. Any seed of doubt he can put in you, he will try to do so. So when God gives you an assignment and you know it's special, I mean, how could Joseph not know it was special when he gets called from the dungeon to the top tier of Egypt? He had to know this is God touching this. So that should comfort him to rebuke out those thoughts of, can I handle this? I can handle this. I'm going to handle this. And Pharaoh knew it. Pharaoh saw it. And someone who's seen it can see it in the next person because they've been through it. Until you felt it and been through it, you can't understand it. And then when someone else sees it in you and they say, come on, little child, you can do this. God's taking you somewhere. You got to trust in that. That's what the Lord does because he's seen it before and he will do it to you. Just like all the people of the Bible that were imperfect too, that had situations too, that were unqualified too, that were irresponsible too, that were selfish too, that only thought about themselves too. Like all these things, it's, it's never changed changed, but God still took them somewhere because they were willing to go. You getting this? We're no different. The Corona is nothing on the Bible. Like it's nothing. It's nothing but a thing on the Bible. Like they have the same adversity in situations that they got to be selfish about sometimes and say, is it my brothers or is it God? Should I stay with them in the fields and live in, live in wherever? And, or should I go to my calling? But can I handle this? Look at this ring on my finger. Why would God do that? Was that for me, God? I mean, I'm not comfortable in this. These are diesel jeans. I haven't had them since I was 20, Nicole. I'm not used to this. I'm used to the, what is it, H&M? Got to upgrade them things. So, so like, like it can feel uncomfortable when it's different because it's new, but doesn't mean it's not good for you. Everybody needs a new flannel once in a while. Everybody needs some new shoes once in a while. These are old. <laughs> but but like, like, it's abrupt, and when it's abrupt, it's going to feel weird for a minute. It becomes what you know. When what you know is failure and doubt, because everybody's preached that into you your whole life, that that's the most you could be is second, second, uh, second string, the B team. If that's what you've been taught, that you'll never be A-class worthy. God says, I'm here to shake up that theory because it's not proven and it's false and it's a lie by the enemy. You were meant to be, be top tier VIP in my kingdom. Everybody's a VIP to God. Very important person. Everybody cannot handle this. Well, if you're a VIP, do you think you can handle it? Anybody? I can handle this. Joseph knew he could handle it. But I bet there was doubt in the dungeon. And he was so humble. It was never about him. Remember when, when Pharaoh said, can you interpret my dream? And he said, no, I can't, but God can. Now, he could have said, well, yes, I can, and thank you for, you know, give me a quick meal in my bank, Pharaoh, and we'll call it a day, and I'll interpret, and I could go live this life for me. But he knew his calling was bigger than possession in material things. He said, God can do it. And when God sees a humble spirit, 
oh man, watch out, because he's going to attack you in a good way and take you somewhere. He needs humble clay that he can trust with responsibility. Watch God move. Yes, you can handle it. Joseph was humble. He could handle it. When I think about this moment, one thing that, that came to me this morning that I wrote on here, I'm starting to be like a real preacher where I like write notes last minute. Like it keeps going. It keeps going. Like that's like preacher stuff. That's good. The word that came to my mind was responsibility. Okay. Okay. Like I worked with this guy once. Aquavin, really nice restaurant in Chesterfield. I was a waiter years ago. And if you're watching, uh, I hope you're doing good, my brother. But um, he introduced me to this thing of iced coffee. And I was like, you mean cold coffee? He's like, I just like to drink it cold with ice in it. And back then it wasn't cool yet. It wasn't like at Starbucks and all that. It was just him literally taking the coffee and putting ice cubes in it. Ew. Tried it, tried it again, still hate it. So, so Cody, like he's drinking his iced coffee and he says, yeah, I used to be the manager here. I'm like, well, why are you waiting tables? I didn't, you know, I just didn't want to deal with the responsibility. You know, I just thought it was easier down here. Just doing the, the thing. And I'm new, you know. And he, Michelle, have I told you this story? It's, it's true. And he was like, to me back then, he was old, but he was probably like my age now. And um, he's like, I just, you know, I stepped down. I'm like, why would you want to be here when you had this opportunity to be here? I'm not talking about like here, like look at me. I'm saying here, like opportunity is sitting at your lap and you don't want to deal with it. That's what he was saying. I don't want the responsibility of dealing with the pressure of having opportunity in my life. Can I also say he was always complaining about everything? You see a pattern? You see a pattern? It's easy to find a problem when you don't ever want to address one. You don't want to ever fix anything and step up and say, I'm going to help fix that. T.D. Jakes said it years ago. He said, he says, when you got that problem with that person in the church, God's called you to fix it. Instead of telling somebody else to do it. And I'll never forget that because even in my, pro, like my early adolescent years of doing this and, and I was waiting the tables and just trying to like do anything to make decent tips, I'm thinking, why would he demote himself intentionally? Now, I'm not saying there's not warranted cases where sometimes you don't want to be in a position that's too much stress. I get that. But this guy just didn't want to work. He didn't want opportunity. So guess what? They gave it to someone else. So when God says, do you want this? I was thinking like the responsibility can scare you out of the opportunity. Like we pray for God to move in a mighty way, do magnificent things. And then when he does, who's going to handle that? <laughs> who's going to? handle the responsibility of what if it doesn't go as we plan when the risk is greater. Can I handle that? What will we do? Can we handle that? You see what I'm saying? So the devil gets in your head and says, says you've been praying for God to move. And then when he does, you start doubting if you're, if you're capable and, and it's really, uh, you're doubting if you're responsible enough and maybe you're not ready yet. And so God's going to say, it's going to take a little bit longer, but the devil's going to say, you can't handle it anyway. And he's going to preach you down that you shouldn't even be in that situation. But God says, if I gave it to you, you can handle it. And yes, there's going to be responsibility, but blessed is, you know, to, with whom God Great. Oh, geez, I'm going to mess it up. Basically, when God gives it to you, you can handle it. What is the verse I'm looking for? Where's my dad? He's the encyclopedia. 
I'll get this later. I need more um, coconut oil in my brain right now. But truth comes with great accountability. The Bible says, and I'm paraphrasing because I just totally went blank, that if you know the gospel and you know these things of God, that you are responsible for those who don't. Ooh. To whom much is given, much is required. Thank you, God. Thank you. To whom much is given, much is required. That's all I wanted to say, people. It took me 10 minutes. And I've said it a million times before. It just it finally came out. To whom much is given, it was gifted to us, so we are required. That means responsibility to do something with it. Who likes responsibility? Emily, Allison, and Chloe's maybe. <laughs> Cheyenne's a, depends on the day. So that's what I see is the challenge here is man, I didn't know all this came with the ring. When I was sitting in Pharaoh's office, says Joseph, I didn't know that I'd be responsible for lives. And if I mess up, Egypt goes down in an ugly way. That's a lot of pressure. But we all know pressure makes diamonds. And so if you're willing to endure, God will shape you into a diamond and you can handle this. But yeah, the guy I worked with, he would run from responsibility. That's how it felt. And um, my motto is work hard now so I can live my best life in the long run, so I can position for opportunity. Not be a slave to it, position. God wants to do something so different that you didn't even know was set up for your life. Maybe it's a totally different thing. But we gotta embrace the responsibility. When your mind says, I can't, just look up at the robe God gave you. When your mind says, I can't, just look at the two boys God gave Joseph. He says in verse 51, his firstborn, Manasseh, was named according because it is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. That sounds nice. But what does that feel like? If you've had a child, you, you understand this. If, if you've ever loved anything, you, you can understand this. If you've had a pet, you can understand this. If you have a sibling, a friend, anybody, if you've loved, you can understand this, that God will put an opportunity sometimes in front of you so that you can forget about what was behind you and let it go. I've got a little bit of a problem holding on to things since I was little, and I see it in my son, my firstborn, repeating a little of that cycle, and I don't like that. And, and I thought I was doing worrying and, and holding on to troublesome memories, and he's, he's doing it more so. And I tell him all the time, like, look at your life. You don't need to be thinking on that. Let it go. And plus, little buddy, it's all good. That's nothing but a thing anyway. Like, why are you even worrying about those things? It's like he's finding something to, to have a problem with so he can just live in that. You get that? Like, there, there'll be people who just want to live in that. And as soon as you take them out, as soon as you take them off to the, to the pool or on, the, on a day at the lake and you want to get them out of that, guess what they do? They find a reason to cancel on you and go back to the dungeon. 
God's trying to take you out of there. And so it looks like something that you can't handle is actually the opportunity to get out of that thing and forget about it. And then here you are having children. And here he has having two boys. And he said, Manessa, because he, he, he blessed me and I forgot about what my brothers did to me. I don't know about you, but that'd be really hard to forget about. Can you imagine the hurt of your own siblings throwing you in a cistern, trying to kill you, trying to sell you into slavery, trying to, trying to fake your death to your own father? Can you imagine what kind of pain that would feel like? No, we can't, but we've got a situation we can connect to that. So if we can imagine our situation and that's how Joseph felt, we might be able to relate to what Joseph is feeling in this. You getting this? Just put yourself into it. I used to be so cold when people at church needed prayer and stuff when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, no, someone else needs prayer until my grandma got sick, until someone I loved was dying. And I remember standing there, Michelle, you remember standing there and they're praying and doing the oil cloth and, and I was bawling my eyes out like a baby because this time it was my family. I mean, before I was just, you know, the guitar guy. Cody, I was just the guitar guy. And you don't do this. This is what I do. This is a guitar guy. I was numb to the need. I was going through the motions of the production and forgetting about the gospel and why I stood there to begin with until it was my grandma. God showed me something in that. He connected me with that. And he says, so when these characters feel like a story, just put yourself in their shoes and imagine what it might have felt like. And this gospel will jump off the paper to you. It will. He says, I was blessed by Manessa, my firstborn baby. Here I am blessed. And look at Egypt. It's about to go in the tubes. That can make you feel selfish. Well, it's not fair. It's not fair. And I didn't write the playbook, but I trust God that if he blessed me, I'm going to do my best to love everybody and, 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 and help people. And so that's why Pharaoh had to pick Joseph, because if it wasn't for Joseph being selfish with his brothers, he couldn't have been unselfish with Egypt to claim all that food and store it up because he was the man for the job. So when they say you shouldn't do it, you're actually maybe going to be saving lives in the process because they don't see beneath the surface like you do of that calling. It's just another one of them. No, this is special and it's going to show itself approved in time when Pharaoh calls you to the office. You can let go of it that blessing of Manasseh in your life, you can, you, can, you can let it block the pain and forget about it. You can let go of it. Joseph forgot about it. When he felt the pressure, he just looked at his little boy and remembered what God has done. Are you worried about the future today? Are you worried about the government? Are you worried about the politics? Are you worried about the virus? Are you worried about the things and you're forgetting what God has done today? The good things. Think on those things, the Bible says. Think on the good things. Be anxious for nothing. Have a sound mind. Think on these things. Because holding on to those deep wounds will only block your view of that baby boy in front of you, which represents blessing. God is saying you are blessed. And if you don't have a child, it's not a literal thing. You are still blessed. You have your health. You have your life. You have air to breathe. You can find something to be blessed about that God gave you that can block the past from creeping back in. 
You can just say, I'm blessed. I am blessed. Can I handle this? Yes, because I'm blessed. What do you do to stay reminded of God's blessing? This is just an open question. Anybody? Anybody want to throw something out? What, what do they do to stay reminded of God's blessing? Going once. Going twice. I look at the things around me. Speaking of the things around me, we had one seed fall fest yesterday. And if you missed it, yes, you missed it. Zero snap fail. Love y'all. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's special because it's surrounding of blessing. It's 160 plus acres of farmland that has water, fishing, food, wagon rides. Next year, there'll be pumpkin picking. I mean, the kids didn't want to leave. Amazing. The adults, they didn't want to leave. It was chill, you know? We were just chilling out. And people were in clusters all over the property. It wasn't like you had to attend the formal thing here, sit in this box and go. No, it's like everybody kind of did what they wanted. That's why it was so cool. But if you looked around the property, can I, can I, just, can I just vouch for Nate and say that's why it's special? It's because of the surrounding of the nature sitting in front of us. The blessing was prevalent everywhere. And that's why Cheyenne probably said, I look around me because when she walks out her door, she can just look around and see God's painting everywhere. It's not, it's not blocked by smog. It's not blocked by fog. It's not blocked by traffic or noises or horns honking. It's just God's natural land. And that's why nature is so, so powerful and, and used in the scripture because it's in the nature of humans to know that the nature of the world was created by only a heavenly father could create something so beautiful that could cause the oceans and the ecosystems and the trees and all the things to flow together so perfectly that they take care of themselves. That's special. Well, I've been to the ocean. It's okay. I don't like salt water. Maybe quit looking at the salt and look at the ocean. Maybe quit thinking about the overpriced seafood that was gross and not as good as the TV show showed it and think about the fact that God made those waters that you're standing on. That was me. This wasn't as good as the TV show said. Why'd they pick this place? Can we go back next week? There's this one place in uh, Destin. Do you remember what it was called, Michelle? Destin, Dewey Destin's or something? Dewey's at Destin. Great, great. Red Snapper, I think. Anyway, check it out. Dewey's at Destin. It was on Triple D years ago, and we went twice, which says a lot for our household. But that's not always the case. If you find a way to focus on the problems in the picture, you will always only see the problems. But if you find a way to look at the art behind the problems and see the nature of the landscape, you will see Manissa, the blessing. And that's why yesterday at the Fall Fest, another plug, was so therapeutic for my soul specifically and for their soul specifically. And everybody was there specifically, like insert our name here, because we got to see the beauty of God's creation and absorb that. And it changed how we felt about our day. And it's just cool because we were there. All of us. That's also why it was great. Anyway, if you missed it, next year, RSVP now for 2022 October. The form's not out yet, but it will be tomorrow for a year from now. Just kidding. It's awesome, though. She looks around. 
Anybody else want to throw out what they do besides looking around before I move on? They look around. I mean, we're visual, we're visual people, right? I, he counts his blessings. That's good. Because sometimes we don't even have a good thing to look at. Depends on the, on the time of day, where we're at. But no matter where we're at, if we're in the dungeon like Joseph, we can still count our blessings. That's what made him endure. He could have called it quits in the dungeon, and he didn't because he counted his blessings, and he knew about the coat, the robe that God had for him, and the signet ring, and the thing. And none of that mattered to Joseph, but he knew that was signet of the calling and that he would get through it. Is fine. We were talking about pressure this morning in the worship and saying, it's this thing. You just got to laugh at it sometimes because when you, when you laugh at it and say, it's just, I'm going to have fun with this. It's going to make us perform better and do more and loosen up. And that's, that's why I bring it to the preaching too, because I'm really high nerves a lot of time when the feeling like throwing up comes, I just say, this is fun. It's less and less very rare these days, but it took a long time of counting my blessings and remembering the good things and focusing on that in that pivoting moment of pressure to transition to the Pharaoh's office. I'm blessed by Manasseh, says Joseph. No more holding the deep wounds. I'm just going to look at my baby boy. Maybe we need a Manasseh in our life to stay conscious of his goodness. What did he say about son number two? It's funny how God gave him two because he needed two things that worked together. He says in verse 52, the second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So because I was blessed, now I am fruitful. And when there's fruit bearing in your life, what do you find? Fulfillment. He found fulfillment in Ephraim. Baby one blessed him. Baby two brought fulfillment, and the two worked together. There was fulfillment in Ephraim. God will not only bless you, but he'll remind you that he's providing for you. And that's what's so good. That's what's so good about what Larry said and what Cheyenne said is that, is that when we're reminded of the blessing, then we know it's just, it's just a matter of waiting to recognize that he's providing because he never stopped providing for Joseph. Even in the low points, he was providing him life. He was providing him health. He was providing him great opportunity. Great opportunity. Blessing and fulfillment work hand in hand. That's why giving is so much more than just a financial thing in the church. It is a soul-shaping thing that the, that the nature of a giving human instinct is what shapes the, recept- the reception to come in as a fulfilling thing that I can be fulfilled in my life because I see bigger and God overflows your storehouse. And that's what he did. It said that Joseph had collected so much food for Egypt and everybody else was going to be hungry. And Joseph had the key to the fridge. He had the key. He wasn't special over them. He just was willing to embrace the responsibility. And when you meet a few people who will embrace responsibility in your life, it's going to raise your game. It's going to make you more accountable. How do you want to get good at sports? Who do you go to? Do you go to the worst guy on the team for practice? No, you go to the captain on the wrestling team because he's going to whoop you a few times and that's going to make you better. You got to go to someone who's owning it so you can raise your game. 
You got to surround yourself. We talked about this earlier that you want to, you want to surround yourself with people who want to promote the vision God put in your life. And that's what I'm talking about. It will raise you up to Pharaoh's office. That's why they had to sell him into slavery. It looked horrible for Joseph. He's a slave. And God said, no, he's being promoted by the people who see the vision with him. It's so good. The world said the opposite. They tried to stop him because they thought the opposite. They thought it was failure. And God said, this is about to blow up. Oh, so good. And it will get you and blow up when you're not expecting, when you just go along all in and quit thinking about it. Quit thinking about the timeline. Just go all in and the timeline will work itself out. So good. If y'all could stand. Joseph is showing us when we move for God, his blessing will show up in fulfillment. It's not the material items he had. Those were just reminders of where God delivered him from. Contentment is something hard to find in this culture we live in because everything is at our fingertips and everything is in a hurry and everything is always being superseded by something better and it's never enough. So that makes contentment hard to find, but contentment is only found, just look to your neighbor and say, contentment is only found in gratefulness, which comes by deliverance. God's abundance was meant to cover you in times of famine. And so now you've got the key to the pantry. You've got the key to the fridge because you've been assigned to collect up this thing that God is doing so big in the world that they don't see it yet, but you've got the key and you've been collecting and collecting and collecting. And the world says, where do I go next? You say, I've got the key and we've got the food to feed your soul at one seat church. When you thought you weren't hungry, we've been storing up that thing for seven years, we're going to keep storing it up whether people come or not because when they get hungry, they're going to be saying, where's that key again? I think I changed my mind about that place. I think it wasn't so bad. I mean, the music was kind of weird at first, but it's better now. And now that I'm actually hungry, I'm going to go find God again because I remember that we have the key. I get a little excited because God is providing something to us that the world needs. The world needs, and the world is going to get it from 1C Church. We're going to deliver it when the world's ready to receive it. We're going to open the door, and it's going to be a floodgate from famine to fulfillment overnight. And it's really something we've been building since the grains of the harvest. And we can say, God loves you, and welcome. Welcome to 1C. It's going to be good. God, we give thanks right now that the harvest is rooting out of the ground, that the harvest is starting to take shape. And I know they're listening, but they don't want to come in yet, but they will because their tummy's starting to get a taste for the real thing. And they're getting a taste for the gospel that is so rich and true and that they were just focused on on the menu before, but when they actually were starving for change and they're starving to be fed, they're going to see it differently and they're going to look at this from a distance, They're going to step back like I stepped back earlier and said, look at this thing. This is amazing. Look at this setup. This is amazing. This is special. And God is doing something special. And when I put my spiritual goggles on, we are moving up the mountaintop big time. God, we are thankful for that. We're about to blow it up for your kingdom. And let's
let the world know that the doors to the to the food supply are open. God, let us all be used. Let us all embrace the responsibility. Let us not run from it in doubt, but embrace it and say, if I've been assigned, I am capable and use me, Lord, for this is your mission. And if the house of God can say together, in Jesus' 